Welcome to Cannabis Health Radio, a podcast where we share stories from people around the world who are using cannabis as medicine. The information is meant to raise awareness about the health benefits of cannabis, which should not be taken as medical advice. Now, here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. Welcome to episode 235 of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Elland. I can't imagine anything more devastating to a parent than having their child being diagnosed with cancer. Our guest today is Colette of Australia, and Colette does not want us to use her last name. She's here to tell her story about her son, Jackson, who was diagnosed with a rare and aggressive cancer three years ago at the age of 14. Colette, it was good of you to get up so early in the morning in Australia and do this. We appreciate it. Thank you so much for inviting me here to share the story and give other people hope and faith. Now, before you took Jackson to the doctor uh, when you got his diagnosis, what were some of the symptoms he was experiencing, if any? Okay, so it was very sudden with Jackson. He had um, extreme weight loss. He um, had very high fevers, febrile, and his lymph node on the left side of his neck was um, very uh, swollen. But I did take him to multiple doctors, oncologists, um, uh, paediatricians, and everybody sort of said there's nothing wrong with him. But this went on for months. So unfortunately, he wasn't diagnosed until it was really almost. He, he was very, very sick, unfortunately. But yeah, that, they're the symptoms mostly. What, what, what was the actual diagnosis call out? So he was um, diagnosed with large B-cell non-Hodgkin's lymphoma um, stage four. So he, it was very rare, very aggressive. And his prognosis wasn't um, fantastic, you know, from the beginning, to be honest. What was Jackson's mental state when uh, given the diagnosis? I think everybody, especially for him, was in shock because he'd never had a sick day in his life. Um, He was such an active boy, uh, always out surfing and skating and fishing. So I think for him mentally, it really did affect uh, him because it was such a shock, (laughs) such Mm -hmm. a shock. But I think, too, just the fear of everything coming up, being in that hospital system was uh, petrifying. What about you? What was your mental state? Oh, just how I think every mother was. I mean, I I think I was in shock too, but also just so, um, I think at the time, just fearful of needing to find, you know, something that was going to help Jackson because from very early on I knew that the hospital system wasn't for Jackson. I really felt like everything they were doing in there was actually just making a very frail and sick body even more toxic and damaging him further. So tell us about some of, Colette, tell us about some of the things that they were doing to him. Oh look, I felt like he was in a torture clinic to be honest. I'm it's not that I'm not grateful. I know they try their best, but I, I really could see from the minute I took Jackson into that hospital that he declined rapidly. I mean, just the, oh, all the uh, radiation that they put through your body with the PET scans, all the, the blood tests, the chemotherapy protocol they had him on, um, he had so many reactions to that Jackson couldn't actually be on the protocol uh, initially because I, I his kidneys were shutting down, his heart um, was in a terrible way, his liver... Um, he was just, yeah, not coping 
it, with the dosage that they were giving him, but they were even reluctant to even sort of change it for Jackson, which I found so bizarre that, you know, he was very, very sensitive. He's very sensitive to medicine. So, yeah, they did a lot of different things, to be honest. So when they did the chemo um, and they finish it, what happens then? They do a biopsy and what did that show? Yes, yeah, so with the, the initial um, diagnosis, they did uh, the normal uh, protocol for non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Um, it was a very aggressive um, protocol, very strong chemotherapy, but the PET scan showed uh, just following the, the end of the treatment that it, it wasn't successful, unfortunately. He relapsed, I think, well, immediately. It, it it's basically did nothing. Um, yeah, so that was um, very disheartening. And he had a tennis ball-sized tumour at that point? Yes. So then, yeah, they did another, uh, they had to do another biopsy to it confirm that it was still the same diagnosis. And then they soon realised that actually it had made its spread, which is what I believe chemo does, in my opinion, anyway. It actually spread it um, quite aggressively in different parts of his body. He was in so much pain. Yes, he had a tennis uh, ball size tumour um, in his abdomen, which they weren't actually able to even touch because he would have bled out. But he also had lymph nodes around his heart, like just in very dangerous places. And basically, yeah, the, um, his prognosis definitely wasn't good after that at all. And he was still losing weight too, wasn't he? He was down to about 40, 41 kilos, which is what, what yes, close, he, close to 90 pounds. Yeah, he really was um, so frail and very, very frail, yes. How tall is he? He's quite tall. I don't know, actually. He must be 5'8 or something like that, but he's, he looks wonderful now. <laughs> he's a healthy 60 kilos now. Now, when he was going through all this and uh, he was deteriorating, you must have been terribly fearful that he wasn't going to make it. Look, I really was. Um, I remember him sitting on the lounge one morning and the tears were rolling down his face and he said, please just don't let me die, Mum. And, and I said, son, if, if it's love that keeps you alive, you know, I don't know. I will honestly do everything I can and I just, I did. I mean, if it's it's for you and Corey um, with the cannabis oil, looking online and doing so much research um, that that led me to, you know, to his... His wellness. <laughs> so. Well, tell us how you stumbled upon cannabis oil. What were you out there googling alternate cures, or and what what were you thinking? Well, actually, to be honest, what happened was I I was praying and meditating because I'm a spiritual sort of person, and I was just looking for clarity and guidance about you know whereabouts on the planet there must be a better way. Like I knew that the hospital system would never help Jackson, and I knew that he was near death anyway. So I just prayed and prayed and prayed, and I don't know how, but I do believe in miracles, and I just kept getting this name, Corey Yellen, Corey Yellen. I'm like, Corey Yellen, you know? And that's that's actually how it started through my guidance. So then I sort of tried to write it down, and I got the spelling all wrong, but I just started, yeah, Googling Corey Yellen, and then I came across YouTube where you were on it, and um, I saw you um you know, that you had put yourself in a remission and cured yourself with the oil and it gave me such faith and hope. And then I watched all the, all these beautiful, um, you know, oh, yeah, sorry, I was just getting a bit emotional even talking about it. No, that's okay. Yeah. 
So you came up on uh, Corey's name, and uh, Corey, did she? Did you contact Corey at all? I did, and I was so grateful to Corey because I finally um, connected with her on Facebook, um, and she got back to me straight away and just sort of gave me faith and hope and pointed me in the right direction um, because I had actually tried oil in Australia, but it, it really did nothing. Actually, it made Jackson quite sick. So I just knew that if I could get oil, um, good oil, um, and have some help because it was actually quite a big deal trying to get Jackson's dosage right and, you know, I sort of felt quite alone because there was no one else sort of to help me to go through it. Yeah, yeah. We Skyped a fair bit. We did. So Corey was there for me right from the beginning for Jackson and J- Corey was the one that helped me sort of learn about the dosage, what to do with the psychoactive effects, um, everything really. So thank you, Corey. Oh, you're welcome. You know, I mean, I think this is an important uh, point, twofold point. First of all, not oil. All oil is created equal. You had Jackson on oil and it wasn't doing anything. Second point, although, you know, there's that whole thing of 60 grams in 90 days, that's basically out the window and everybody has different tolerance levels. Now, Jackson got nowhere near a gram a day, correct? No, he was just look way too sensitive. And look, I I pushed him as far as he could go, um, but I wanted him to be comfortable. He certainly didn't need any more stress. So I basically um, did the higher dose, dosage of the night before bed and, and of the day. I just did what he could manage. And we did get up to nowhere near a gram a day. But I think um, initially when he got into the first, you know, when he was in remission, I think we got up to like seven capsules a day, which is like nowhere near a gram. But you know, he couldn't do that now even. He could only do one capsule a day now and that's it. Yeah. He's just so, so sensitive. You, yeah, so everybody's different. So you don't necessarily need a gram a day. No, I don't I don't really believe that you do at all. I think you know when it's working because your mm-hmm. symptoms go. So. How soon did you notice his symptoms starting to change? It was immediate. From the first capsule that Jackson took of this oil, the colour came back. Back in his face, he first time in I don't know how long years said he was hungry. Um, his fevers sort of left. He started to put on weight. I'm not. It really was immediate. I, I can't believe it. Now, Colette, when you were were doing this, was it in a hospital setting or at home? At home, you know, at home because I couldn't I couldn't um, give him anything in there, so I would do it at, at home first. <laughs> yeah. Colette, before we uh, started recording, we were talking about uh, children in hospital with uh, cancer and cannabis oil. Can you share that with us about authorities arriving? it's It's quite sad in Australia because I think quite a few parents intuitively know that cannabis oil works and quite a few parents in there were administering it, but there were a couple of parents, the police were called and the children were taken from their parents, which I just found quite scary and very sad that that's the law in Australia. Now, you were continuing with, with the cannabis oil uh, yes. on, on Jackson. And how long before he started to, was he bedridden at this time? Look, he really was. They given him no, uh, he was incurable. So basically what happened was he He'd had the chemotherapy protocol, he'd relapsed, and then they put him on a, a, what's called an ALK inhibitor to bridge him to a blood and bone marrow transplant. 
that made him incredibly ill. I mean, he vomited and had diarrhoea 24 hours a day, so they couldn't keep him on that very long. Fortunately, his brother was a a 100% match for the transplant, but I didn't want to do the blood and bone marrow transplant, but the oncologist said they'd get a judge involved and they would be doing it regardless. So I was devastated because basically my parental rights were taken out of my hands. Um, They were doing that to him regardless and I was terrified because it was six rounds of full body radiation basically killing his immune system, Um, you know, and people do die if you don't engraft. So it was very terrifying for both my sons because one was sort of forced to do the the transplant, Oscar, really. He didn't want to do it, although he wanted to help his brother. But at the same time, I think they always knew that I didn't have a lot of faith um, that that would work. I truly believed that, that, you know, natural and holistic medicine, especially cannabis oil, was the the answer for Jackson. But I had to surrender uh, into that because it was taken out of my hands. And and in the end, it didn't work, correct? No, it didn't work. He relapsed straight after. So, you know, they wow. put him through that, like, torture clinic. Um, looked like he'd been in a concentration camp. Um, and, and he'd relapsed immediately. And that's it. I went, that's it. You're done. You're not, you're not touching my child again. And I took him out of the hospital system, took him home. Because they did say he's incurable. So after he relapsed, after the blood and bone marrow transplant, they said he's incurable and the only thing they could put him back on for the rest of his life was that ALK inhibitor. But he couldn't stay on that because it made him so incredibly sick. There was no quality of life at all. So that's where I was right. That's it. Took him out of the hospital system and just did the um, the cannabis oil um, with Corey guiding me and the organic plant-based diet and just everything that my intuition sort of told me to do. When you took him home, he was obviously bedridden because he was sick from uh, the hospital treatment. How long before he got out of bed after taking the cannabis oil? I think two weeks, really. It's two weeks of basically sleeping 24 hours a day on the oil. Um, He just looked better and better every day. Probably two weeks straight he slept, I'm sure of it. Um, And I was assured that that was normal with the phoenix tears and the you know the simpson protocol that that's what happens that that, that i remember sleep. yes that's right <laughs> i remember yeah. yeah don't worry it's gonna be okay mama yeah i'm thinking i'm like oh, oh is this okay <laughs> so but Corey sort of you know assured me that that everything that was happening was normal and it just ran its course so really in a very short period of time jackson was up and skating and surfing and i, I don't know I, I couldn't really believe it unless you see it yourself you would never believe the the miracle how did he feel once he got up and uh, did he start to feel normal did he tell you that he he feels what's that yes he did his energy levels returned and um yeah he could eat he actually had an appetite after having no appetite for so long his gut was just so ruined from all the antibiotics and all the Mm -hmm. horrendous things they do in there so what were the doctors saying when he when he went for his uh, little checks Oh, they just, they couldn't really believe it. They didn't know why. But I think, I think the oncologist did sort of know why, because I mentioned cannabis a few times, but she said, look, we just don't want to talk about that in here. Um, So I think quietly, they always knew that I was doing that at home. Um, But yeah, they were just shocked at his, you know, his progress. Yeah, doctors are caught between a rock and a hard place, aren't they? They... uh yeah, it's particularly in Australia, which seems to be very, very um, a, a difficult jurisdiction to live in. 
when it comes to cannabis. It, it is. It, it certainly is. Now, how long was um, Jackson on the oil before he got that incredible scan? So the, I think just from memory, sorry, I think I, I, I block a lot of this because it's quite traumatic, but I think, you know, so they did that scan. Um, then they did another scan eight weeks later. So the initial scan when he was on the oil showed that the tumours had just stayed the same, a little bit of progression, but it hadn't spread. So for such a very rare aggressive cancer, so he was on the cannabis oil for two months. He had another scan. Um, so there was no progression. So that was amazing for such an aggressive cancer. And then they did another scan and, well, actually the lymph nodes were in such a dangerous spot next to his heart and in his abdomen. They didn't do another biopsy then. They just sort of let it wait to see if the symptoms, uh, you know, got really bad. Um, and then they did the other scan and then it was like a full metabolic response. So he'd only been on the oil, I think, you know, a couple of months, three or four months. So the first one, there was no. It was still there but hadn't spread. But then the second scan showed a full metabolic response in actual fact. There was not even any inflammation in where all the scar tissue was. It was actually just all gone. Yeah, I see where you've written a full metabolic response with absolutely no sign of disease. Yeah, yeah, that's that's right. So, um, yeah, it was just incredible. I remember that day when you called me. I was crying. You guys were crying. Oh no, I thought you think something had happened, but yeah, I was crying because I was just I was just so grateful to you. How did Jackson respond to that diagnosis? Oh, Being free. oh he's just oh just you know, just so excited. He just wants to he just wants to live and live his life and he loves life and um mm-hmm. yeah, so he's just very, very grateful to Corey and everyone involved. Probably just wants to be normal. That's right. Yeah, he does. He just wants to have a lot. He just wants to be a normal teenager. Uh, and, you know, he, he is doing that now. He's back at school. He's surfing and skating and with his friends. And although he, with all the treatments they did to him in hospital, he still can't do what normal teenage boys do as far as uh, drink alcohol or anything. It makes him uh, unwell. But, you know, he's living his life and he just looks fantastic. Colette, how did his younger brother react through all this? Um, well, Jackson's one of four. Uh, the the youngest brother, um, with the one that did the transplant, is that the one you mean? Yes. Yeah, I think, I think they, um, I think the, the the siblings were all very, you know, scared. They didn't want to lose their brother. They're very close, my children. So, I think it was quite a big ordeal for him even putting him through that blood and bone marrow transplant because it really affected his energy levels. Uh, he's a pro skater. And he couldn't skate for months and months after it. And, you know, even still sometimes he's quite weak. So bless him that he was sort of forced into that position. He's come out the other side. So they're both fine now. But I think even that was quite traumatic for Oscar being sort of made to do that transplant because it's a very big thing that they do. Mm-hmm. Does he take, take the bone? Is, is Oscar or any of your other kids on cannabis? No, not at the moment. I think it would be great for them to be on the daily but um with the cost of the oil and and everything unfortunately no I just Jackson takes the the dosage every day obviously and he will for the rest of his life but as far as the other children um I've offered it to them occasionally even just CBD but no I think I think um yeah they just look at it as Jackson's medicine and that's it (laughs) You know, one of the things that we talk to uh, people about who have cleared themselves of cancer is 
invariably, the people who are most successful change their diet. Uh, they, they don't eat the same foods that they ate prior to their diagnosis. And uh, you indicated in the notes that you sent us that Jackson's diet changed dramatically. Can you take us through what he eats on a regular basis now? Yes, certainly. So I, I looked into everything initially and looked at a lot of the um, research and I, I took bits and pieces. I just used cannabis oil as the, the foundation of the modality I was going to use, but I did look into the Gerson therapy, the Budwick protocol, lots of different other things, but I took bits and pieces. So I, I put him on an organic diet right from the beginning because I've always sort of been, you know, more into organic, but I really only had organic. And he mostly just did juices all day. Like I did probably six juices a day and overdosed him on nutrition, just organic salads and vegetables I had absolutely no dairy no meat and absolutely no sugar um, and he still does that today he has a bit of chicken and fish and occasional occasionally he'll eat meat but he doesn't have any sugar at all and he drinks a lot of alkaline water and if you've been given a diagnosis that there's no cure and you come out the other side uh, you certainly have a different appreciation of life don't you yes most certainly do yeah and how how are you uh, handling all of this with your with your sick child who is now healthy and your other children? How's it been for you? Oh, oh look, I think I'm just so grateful that um I just feel so much better relieved, you know, relieved for him that he's that he's got his life back, you know, really relieved for him because when your child asks you please you know, don't let me die. I just, it's sort of a bit heart-wrenching and heartbreaking and I, I just so wanted him to, you know, do what he wants to do on the earth. He's, he's got lots to do, he said. So it's just given him that chance to, to experience it. So I, I do, I feel very grateful and relieved and just the, to be out of that hospital system is just, yeah, it's wonderful. Where do you think he'd be today, Colette, if you didn't do cannabis oil? Oh, he was—he really was. He really was on. You know, he would have left the planet. He would have died for sure. Uh, I absolutely, hundred percent know that. How much oil but, is he taking now? Okay, so each day he has um, like one capsule, but he breaks it up. So he has a little bit in the morning and a full. Actually, a capsule and a half. He has a little bit in the morning uh, before school and a full capsule before bed. So that's just enough for him because he's got to function to mm -hmm. go to school. Um, he just it makes him a little bit tired, so he just needs to wants to be alert and, and skate. So that just seems to be the right dosage for him at the moment. But it's very good, strong oil. So yeah, and very good strong oil can be pretty pricey. Yes, and he doesn't. He just doesn't need to have much more than that. I don't think because he's just looks so well, and he's yes, it just looks great. Now you are. You have four kids, and you're a single mother, is that correct? Yes, yeah, that's right. And you are, you're in need of cannabis oil, and you need a little fundraising. What we'd like to do is, if we could, uh, Corey, um, have people uh, generously donate to Colette's PayPal account. Yeah, that would be wonderful. Um, Colette's circumstances have changed, 
and uh, she's trying to do this on her own and uh, is definitely struggling trying to keep uh, Jackson on the diet, organic diet he needs to be on as far as, and also uh, trying to get oil. Uh, his life depends on this. So if there's any people that can help, uh, Colette, if, could you give your PayPal address to people, please? Certainly. So it's Colette, C-O-L-E-T-T-E, Colette, yes, dot Hickey, H-I-C-K-E-Y, H-I-C-K-E-Y. So it's Colette.Hickey73 at gmail.com. When a child says to their parent, uh, please don't let me die, I mean, that is about as gut-wrenching as you can get. It definitely, definitely was a, a pivotal moment for me. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, so, I'm just... Colette, if you were were to give any people that were in the same shoes as you advice, what would you say to them? Oh, it's um, just follow, follow your heart, and follow your guidance. But um, look, you know, your cannabis oil works. It really does. It's um, it's. I think it should be the the first treatment you know um, unfortunately once you're in that hospital system it's very hard to get out of and it's very hard for a parent to tell another parent or someone don't do chemo or radiation but I feel like all that did was make Jackson much sicker I just wish that I could have just done the cannabis oil from the beginning um yeah I think that's the advice I would give to someone do do the research and look at all the statistics and clinical trials and everything that are coming out with cannabis oil and just put your faith in in that beautiful plant medicine is cannabis legal in Australia in any form, recreation or medical? Uh, the legislation is a little bit strange from state to state, but I do believe there are more clinical trials now. And I do think dispensaries are open, like you can get medicinal, I think, under a prescription. But I just, my feeling is I wouldn't want to have the oil from the government. I just don't believe that it's the right oil. So I think some people that are chronically ill may be able to get a prescription if you're, you know, obviously over 18, if you have like chronic pain or for certain things like epilepsy. But, um, yeah, we're still very, very far behind other countries. Well, some people say that uh, Canada is ahead, but believe me, Canada is not ahead in some regards. Isn't it? <laughs> no. I mean, it's even no. more difficult to get cannabis um, from a dispensary now than it was when it was illegal. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I think it's. Cor- um, <laughs> See, look on Corey's yeah. face. She just. Oh, she has a look of disgust yeah. in her face. <laughs> I do. This this legislation has done nothing for for uh, medical cannabis patients. But what it is that um, what it has done is allow the government to control the supply, and yes. it's gone. Uh, I think the the black market, if that's what you want to call it, is uh, will start to flourish again. If it's not flourishing mm-hmm. out. No, I think it's already helping. Yeah. Colette, is there anything you'd like to tell us in conclusion, your fantastic story that your son is healthy and uh, is, is over the worst part? Um, like, yeah, I just wanted to say thank you so much to you, Ian and Corey and everyone involved. And thank you for what you do with the radio, because if, you know, if it wasn't for listening to all these stories that give you faith and hope, um, yeah, I just wouldn't be sitting here have, giving you this story today. <laughs> so thank you so much, and I hope you continue to do your amazing work well, in saving people. 
That's nice of you to say, because when Corey and I started this, one of the things we talked about is uh, having people tell their stories, because stories are very, very powerful. It's not us trying to convince people that cannabis uh, works. It's people who have, like yourself, who have themselves or a relative uh, been on death's doorstep and uh, used cannabis. We had a a situation where we interviewed a, a mother of a child in the UK who was in hospice. And he was taken out of hospice, and his mother said, where would you like to go before you die? I mean, he was in hospice. He was within weeks of death. And he said Spain. So they took took the child to Spain, met uh, Jeff Ditchfield there, and uh, Jeff suggested trying cannabis, went back to the UK, continued to take cannabis, and they kicked him out of hospice because he was getting better. Yeah, it's and, hard to believe. And it's hard to believe. And the medical profession still, uh, and the governments still cannot get their head around it because there's just far too much money with the pharmaceutical yes. industry. That's right. And then that's what's sad. I've had, there's 40 children that have died that Jackson got, you know, that were on that ward with Jackson. 40 children died. And I'm just devastated because I don't believe they need to be dying. And they just don't have access to oil. The government, you know, they've been programmed by the government for years and years that cannabis is bad for you. Um, and so a lot of people just believe it's a bad medicine. You know, you for years you've been told all it does is cause schizophrenia. Well, they, we need to undo the programming because it doesn't do anything like that. All it does, it's just a powerful healing medicine. It's a amazing plant that can cure so many different ailments. It's politics that causes schizophrenia, believe me. I was involved <laughs> in politics for many years. <laughs> Colette, it was, uh, it was a pleasure to talk to you. It's, you have an amazing story, and we're so happy that Jackson is healthy again. Oh, he's just doing so well. He's um, very, very grateful to, to you all. And I'm sorry he's not here today, but he's, he's wanted to say thank you so much. Colette, thank you so much, and give him a big hug for me. I will. Thank you, Corey. Thank you, Ian. You're welcome. She's a wonderful lady and uh, had a real struggle with uh, trying to save her son. But, Corey, you did it. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah, we, well, we all did it, and uh, this is why I do it with stories like this. And remember, if you want to help her out, uh, colette.hickey.com. 73 at gmail.com and that's another interview with Cannabis Health Radio we'll be back next week thanks for listening to Cannabis Health Radio for more information and to search previous podcasts visit our website CannabisHealthRadio.com subscribe so you don't miss new episodes and follow us on Facebook Instagram and Twitter this podcast is made possible by donations from our listeners If you found the information helpful, please consider making a donation in any amount through our website. You can also help us share our message by leaving a review on your podcast listening platform. We are very grateful for your support. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, I'm Gary, and I invite you to discover the Cannabis Podcast, a 
a bi-weekly podcast focused on a Canadian's cannabis culture. I would be the Canadian, and my cannabis passion and culture has been building for five decades. I share that passion for this wonderful plant in every episode, through conversations with cannabis advocates and enthusiasts, stories about the ever-changing legal environment, and some hands-on testing of product in a segment I call Cultivar Corner. The Cannabis Podcast, a Canadian's cannabis culture, one token at a time.